Hey there, adventurers. We're at lucky episode number 13, and this is easily my favorite one so far. We're finally going to get to hear Father Becker's backstory. Now, I can say when Sean first brought this concept to me, this was a great idea. Sean's been around a while. He's done a lot of gaming, and he knows how to make a wonderful character, and this is no exception. Of course, he's no fool. He knows that any information he's going to give me, I'm going to turn around and use against him. Often inexperienced gamers, they're going to try to craft a character that, you know, prevents that. They're going to wrap everything up in a nice, neat little bow and cover their bases with this very detailed backstory that is hopefully going to keep the judge from using it all against him. Now, Sean, he took the other approach. He's going to just lay it all out there and basically say, hey, here it is, hurt me. And this can make for a lot of fun gaming. I don't know if he expected the way in which I was going to weave this into the story, and I'm pretty certain the rest of the cast didn't but it's going to be a lot of fun exploring where this goes. This episode is also a lot of fun because, well, Sean, as Father Becker, pretty much did all of this in one take. There's been very little editing, uh, you know, just a few uh, little bits and pieces here and there. But other than that, this was all one take. It just poured out of him. He had developed this character so much in his mind and was so familiar with Father Becker that he was able to speak for a very prolonged period of time as Father Becker without missing a beat. And that is when gaming can be the most fun. So go ahead and have a listen to somebody who is a fantastic gamer at the top of their game. This is the Adventurer's Vault. Follow our epic journeys and hear amazing tales. Join our heroes as they bravely face grave dangers and mysterious evils in distant and unknown lands. Be sure to visit our website theadventuresvault.com for episodes, links, and show notes. Music and sounds provided by Sirenscape. And now, it's time to open The Adventurer's Vault. So it is the next morning. Uh, once again, night did pass. I'm sure you guys may have slept in just a little bit. Even though um, you probably, you know, sleep may be the wrong word, but uh, you may have been a little slow to, uh, to, to rise and move around the next morning. But nothing happened over the course of the evening, and you guys are all left with your thoughts and with the morning. Uh, in the morning, I'm going to we'll, like, gather around for rations, and I'll gather around. It's like, I need to tell everyone something. As much as I have uh, hopped on telling the truth. Uh, and being honest with each other, I've uh, Hathen discovered something that he shared with me, and that I'm going to share with all of you. Uh, I know very little of my ancestor, the Admiral, other than my lineage comes from him, and he is uh, one of the original Dukes of Caliban. Uh, my family apparently came from Feridan, and he kind of like hands over the papers. Here's a a, a man of some no sort. She has my family's name, and appears to be an officer in the Fridian armor. Uh, who was at that second ghostal tower for six months. That's all I can gather from it. So, apparently my family comes from Faradun initially. Well, I, I think that many people's families uh, have ties to this area, uh, even folks from other nationalities who maybe fought against Faradun at one time. It, w I, it I, was once upon the greatest empire in the world. I just don't want there to be any secrets between us from me. So, on that note... I'm not taking another step further until I know exactly what's going on with you, Father Becker. <clears throat> Why? What, what do you mean? Well, I'm just... 
cultists literally called you the chosen one yesterday. What, what do you mean? What kind of a response is that? What we went through last night. <clears throat> I um, I have to confess that I am just as baffled by that as you all are. I don't know, looking from the expressions on your faces, if you believe me, but I can tell you that I am genuinely perplexed by that pronouncement. What do you know? You know, honesty is a virtue, and I'm starting to wonder how many virtues you actually have. Well, that's... That's... What a... (laughs) Dang. I mean, for for an erudite man of, of your of your demonstrated reputation, that's quite the burn. I, I I feel scorched, my my good friend. I throw alchemist fire at him. <laughs> I feel more scorched now because I'm sure I failed that save. I'm relatively certain that's the case. Um, hmm. I'll give kind of an appraising look at each of them in turn. Yeah. How are you, the rest of? I mean. Uh, describe the scene a little bit. Uh, what what are the rest of you doing? I know Alders asked the question here, but especially Haytham and Ashirian. Uh, what are you guys doing? What is your demeanor while this exchange is happening? Ashirian is has his dagger out and is sharpening it against a whetstone while staring at Father Becker. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting on a log, just staring at him, just really getting at that dagger <laughs> without breaking eye contact. Haytham doesn't look nearly as... Uh aggressive as that um more like equal parts like confused and hurt and scared probably like like you just found out the santa claus isn't real your mom just broke the news to you about the easter bunny i mean like this this (laughs) that's right because they had such trust in me before (laughs) this guy saved my well this guy has saved my life like multiple times absolutely right yeah and then and then they're like the the prophet of the devil is here like right like we we have Wait, seen what? Father Becker generally do the right thing and the good thing, but it's always been this air of mystery about what's going on exactly. And now it's like, yo, some shit just went down. Like, what is going on? Well, I'll give each of them a, a good look. And um, Asherian, um, I I'm gonna my gaze will fall to you. And if you're still fingering that dagger, whoa, hello. Then, after the, dark. The, we, we may have a bit of an issue here. And I'll say, do you feel it especially necessary to sharpen that way blade in front of me right this moment? A sharp weapon could never hurt anyone. That's true. Is what? there anything... I... Wait, what? <laughs> Hold it. Now I'm I, use, I use sharp weapons to hurt people all the time. I was <laughs> going to say, it's very, very no, sharp. Did you mean Big dull? metaphors, and wherever it is you come from. Obviously, where you're from, you don't study sarcasm. No, but I, I am aware of when somebody's threatening with a dagger. I don't generally respond too well to threats. Have I done anything to make you feel you have to arm yourself for this conversation? For too many times, I've seen somebody saying they're doing things for a greater cause, and truly, it's no good cause at all. If, uh, if you wish to ask me to share with you uh that requires trust and uh for me to trust in you i need to ask you to put that away i don't particularly like where this is going i don't particularly like where you're going with this one either uh, uh and let's try to remain calm i i assure you that dagger is quite sharp can, can you for the for the moment 
Uh, Alder here held a sword to this man's throat, and he found reason to take his blade away and trust him for a bit. And he hasn't held it to his throat now, so I, I think maybe it might be all right. And perhaps for now, perhaps that was hasty on my end. I, I do apologize, Assyrian. But if we're all going to learn to trust each other, so I guess the question is, Assyrian, do you do you go ahead and put the dagger away? Let's out a heavy sigh, but he sets it in his like little side holster, not pull, completely putting away in his backpack, but it's no longer out. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, perhaps making uh, efforts to judge me on my actions so far, as opposed to the ravings of a mad person. <laughs> Having said that, I'm not accustomed to discussing my past with people that were not part of my past, but... Though I've only know you, known you for a few weeks now, I, I feel that enough times you have collectively proven that um, that generally you are folks who are trustworthy. And so, I'll I'll tell you what I know today. But um, I wasn't lying whenever I said I was confused by what that cultist said. I'm troubled, and I think I would wager to say I'm more troubled than you are, even, um, by that prophecy. So, I grew up on the street, and I made my way by my wits for the most part. Um, uh, Maybe um, occasionally taking something that didn't belong to me, not stealing from people that couldn't afford it, of course, rich merchants, um, other people, nobles, taking things no one would miss, that sort of thing. Uh, doing my way to make my way without, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, keeping, keeping soul attached to body. Along the way, I learned that um, many, many folks out there have a, a fascination with religion. And so uh, as I grew, I, um, I learned that I could make um, quite a bit of income if I were to, um, you know, sell the occasional religious trinket to a fat merchant or, a, um, <clears throat> or some bloated uh, lady. Uh, in, in my defense, I will say that uh, some of the objects that I sold were actual religious artifacts, and, and some of them were not. I never sold anything to a, a a mother you know to cure her son or something like that uh, none of the, the the things that I did hurt anyone who couldn't afford it and for many of them it, it perhaps made them feel good that they held what they thought was a religious artifact maybe it even brought them closer to whatever deity it was that they were worshiping. Um, I learned a little bit about uh, religion uh, during that time, although I, I never felt any sort of calling myself. Um, but I, um, I became familiar with the, with the trappings of, of religion. And um, over the years, I professed to worship many, many gods. Eventually, though, uh, a few transactions caught up with me. Uh, made a few too many promises about, um, oh, I don't know, perhaps the, the blessed properties of a golden idol that turned out maybe not to actually be gold. And so I found it necessary to leave town, so to speak. And so I, I booked passage on a ship bound for Faradon. I thought, gosh, what lucrative opportunities come to Faradon, find 
any old trinket lying in the dust and uh, who knows what you could sell it for when you eventually made your way back home. Uh, it seemed like a very lucrative opportunity. And so so there I was. I booked a passage, as I said, on a, on a sailing ship. Um, the captain of that ship um, you know, gave very little thought to the passengers. Uh, we were very much a uh, just a, a secondary way to make a little additional profit on the ship. Uh, he put us up in the hold. Um, we had... Um, you know, bunks, uh, we had hammocks slung there, uh, and, uh, you know, he he treated us fine. Uh, we got meals, but we were largely ignored for the most part. Um, his, um, main focus was on getting his cargo to Faradon so he could sell it. Uh, there was another passenger there though, uh, that, um, I noticed uh, right away. I think all of us who were who were on that ship noticed him. Um, although the reason we noticed him mostly was because he, how much he kept to himself. Um, it was um, um, a gentleman who wore robes, actually black robes. Uh, he had a, a blessed breastplate on and a strange holy symbol, um, which you all might recognize as the things that I'm wearing here. Um, didn't talk to any of us uh, other than a, a, a mumble if we passed him in the hall or uh, if we addressed him in, directly, he spent all of his time um, down in the hold poring over this journal that he kept. Um, I spared a glance one time and saw that it was written in some sort of code. Um, this journal, I pulled it out of my pack and show it. I still haven't been able to decipher it. I, I've got a few inklings as far as what parts of it might mean, but <clears throat> I haven't been able to determine uh, and, and so that's how the voyage passed. Um, I spent some of my time up on deck. Uh, I made a conversation or two with the sailors, but uh, again, much like the captain, they looked down upon us lubbers, uh, as they said. Um, uh, you know, again, we were just a few extra coins to the captain uh, at the end of the voyage. And then one night, um, <clears throat> there was a, a hue and cry, an alarm that was set up. Um, we were set upon by pirates. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, well, um, well armed and well, well, very talented pirates. Not only did they uh, show skill in, in terms of their sailing, and they came up upon us and swung aboard, but um, <clears throat> they had uh, a mage or two among them. Um, great explosions of fire uh, and lightning uh, actually were employed against the ship. Um, <clears throat> it, uh, it it apparently was quite a fight. I can't tell you. Uh, for sure how much of uh, what all went on that much. Uh, we, we were ordered by the captain to stay in the hold and to stay out of the way. Um, and, and so we did. Uh, but one of the explosions and, and whether, again, it was a, a fireball cast by a mage or, or who knows, perhaps it was some sort of explosive powder. I, I've heard that such things exist out there. Um, damaged a, a significant portion of the ship and it caused part of the deck to collapse into the lower areas, the areas where we were hiding. And the ship began taking on water and the <clears throat> a beam, a very large beam fell as I was trying to make my way out of the hold and going past the fire that had erupted in one corner and there were barrels and there was water coming in. And I saw that the beam had fallen and it had felled that strange man in the black robes. And <clears throat> I... I, I I looked at him and I looked at my own meager possessions. All I had was the clothes on my back and a, and a dagger and a few coins that I hadn't spent on the passage over. And 
he was clearly dead. His head was caved in by the beam. There was nothing that anyone could have done for him at that point. But his clothes were intact. His, his breastplate was intact. He still had his pack and his holy symbol and what have you. And there not being anyone around, and, and I'm not knowing whether or not I would survive another 10 minutes, I took his things. I put on his breastplate, and I put on his robe, and I put this holy symbol around my neck and tucked his um, few coins and, and that journal into my pack. And, uh, and then I made my way through the hold and, and, and somehow survived the night. <clears throat> the next day, dawn came up over the horizon. Um, our ship was alone. They had managed to do enough damage to the pirates that they'd sailed off without taking their prize. But many people were, were dead and dying. And uh, as I picked my way across the deck, slick with blood, broken wood and rope, and sailcloth everywhere, the captain came up behind me and grabbed my shoulder and turned me around. And he, and he said, come with me. We need your help now. And I followed him. And, and there was his first mate sprawled on the deck. Uh, massive gashes in his chest uh, from a cutlass. And uh, you could hear his breathing. It was ragged. It was wet. He kept coughing up bouts of blood. And the captain said, you, priest, heal him. And I looked at him and and said, I I don't think that I can. I, I told him I thought he was too far gone. And he said, well, he pulled out his cutlass, his own cutlass, and he pointed it at my chest, poked me hard enough to draw blood, and said, heal him, because if, you, if he dies, you'll join him. <laughs> and so, what was I to do? I, I, I knelt down on the deck, and my robes were wet, both with the seawater and, and the blood, and and I, I, I looked at the man and I, I thought, there's no way. He's, he's moments away from expiring. There's nothing I can do here. But the captain was still brandishing his cutlass. And the looks from his other crew members that were gathered around, they were not at all sympathetic. And so I, I reached out my hand and I put it upon that man's chest. And I grabbed the holy symbol the strange priest's holy symbol that I'd put around my own neck. And I, I, I clutched it and I closed my eyes and I turned my face towards heaven. And I said, whoever you are more than anything I need for this man to live. If there's anyone out there who can hear me, please, please heal this man. And for a moment, nothing happened. And then I felt my hand begin to go, it began to get warm. And I opened my eyes just a crack. And around my hand was a, was a, go, a glow, a golden glow. And I can't believe it to this day, but the places where I was touching him with that glow the flesh started to knit back together and the bleeding stopped and his breath became no longer ragged. I don't know who I reached out to, but 
someone heard me, and that's it. I, I was able to save the man and the captain, though he wasn't effusive in his appreciation, he, he let me live and took me into port. And ever since, I have been trying to find out the nature of this entity that listened whenever I called out. And I have been amazed every single time that it has answered. So when I tell you I don't know anything about the prophecy and that I was just as shocked and surprised as you were, I'm not telling the truth. I don't know who's granting me my powers. I just know that it keeps doing it. So when you took the dead man's possessions, you literally took up his mantle? Perhaps. I... I, I whether by I, I, choice or whether that god considered that to be the bargain. You established a connection with the divine by robbing the corpse of a dead man. Well, the robbing is such a strong word. He he had given up his possessions, if you look at it that way. I mean, he wasn't around to Not claim voluntarily. them. voluntarily. He caved his own I, head in so you could take his... His well, no, he hands? didn't cave his head in. The beam that fell caved his head oh, in. He's I mean, blaming he was, all on gravity. I mean, tec- well, I mean, uh, technically, <laughs> technically, I, I, technically you can't true. own anything if you're dead. Now, that, so. that is a... That, no, the, the, none, man had, no gravity. the man had no family. No one knew his name. The place was flooding. Those possessions, a moment or two more, they would have slipped out of the broken hold of the ship and down into the middle of the ocean. If you will, all I did was retrieve them before they oh, reached pres- the ocean Preservation floor. is what you care about. It belongs in a museum. Museum does it? Well, I mean, <laughs> if we're going to take cultural artifacts from indigenous cultures, um, sure. Yes, a few of them could wind up in a It museum. might help to know something about those artifacts, like <laughs> at all, before wearing them. <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking that it must be a benevolent deity. Obviously, it's it's uh, it provided healing magic when called upon. Was it the black robes that made you think that? Well, I mean, you know, lots of deities have black or brown robes or something. And, and there are some silver threads here, if you look right now. They're, they're oh, tarnished a little those bit. Are very nice. I'm surprised you didn't strip them out and try to sell them. Based <laughs> on what you've told me now. They're, it's a it's a very well-constructed garment. I, I've, it just frays if I try to do that, and I don't want yes. to I'm enjoying how disappointed Haytham is in you <laughs> and like the, the ripping he's giving you. Yes, well, I, I I feel he's entirely unjustified. I mean, I'm a holy man, sir. A holy man. Of, of Are you type. sure about that last At this bit? point, I think well, you may be... I can't decide what's less holy, you or your, your deity. Well, I'm I, a bit we, on the fence about it, we if I have to be honest. I, you know, I you think of all the good that's been done by this deity. It's helped us many times. And our, our our goals are nothing if not noble. So I think that that right there is probably proof positive. That or you're more persuasive than you appear. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I feel that if I'm persuasive, it's because people sense the truth at the core of what I'm saying. You appear to have persuaded a god. Yes, well, actually, actually now come per- to think of it, that's... A bit impressive, isn't I'm it? I'm really impressed with that myself. <laughs> yes. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a good deity. And, and look, cultists say the, that person, again, clearly stark raving mad. Who would pursue such a course? So this idea that I'm the chosen one or that my God will somehow inadvertently bring back the resurrection of an evil lich bordering on demigod status. I mean, really, that seems far-fetched, don't you think? And if he's trying to preserve you in order to put you in a place to revive this lich, don't you think he would 
grant your wishes for you? No, no, I think you're I think you're reading too much into this. Has he saved all our lives just as a means to an end? No, no, I, I really that's that that is a fanciful way of looking at things. I think you're building a fiction here. That doesn't seem reasonable to you at all. No, 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 no. I'm, in, I don't think that check. That's, that's likely. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Uh Yeah, it's just perception, right? Is this I guess it would go against uh <laughs> Deception? Deception. I'm not saying I got a plus five, but you want me to roll it? <laughs> Are we doing this? or? I mean, you've you got to use perception, actually, to yeah. um, like or, negate yeah. a deception check. It's, yeah, I mean, what's the call? Are we, are we rolling off or are we just deciding? We, we could just be uh, talking. I'm, I'm fine with either way. <laughs> we're staring at each other now across the microphone. Now we're like, who's the GM the, now? This, <laughs> this is an Ethan Sean question, not <laughs> yeah, an Ethan Becker question. It's really more of an Ethan question because if he decides he's got to make the roll, then I decide I got to make the. Uh, the uh, uh, deception diplomacy that sounds much better. Sure, if you're, right. if you're not lying, yeah, there is no in, uh, diplomacy like and just you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take a crack at perception on that, too. <laughs> no, it seems reasonable. Uh, 17. <laughs> so, may, may I interpret? Uh, yeah, judge? go ahead. Here's what you get. I, I would because I uh, I rolled a 10 uh, with my deception is that um. That as far as his statement that uh, that that he doesn't think that any of the things that you've described could be possible, like that God preserving me so we can have some nefarious end, while he says he's not that he's absolutely certain that could not be the case, you detect that I may not be so certain that the, I don't think. That, I mean, it's not like I secretly know, you but hope. you you kind of get that it's like, oh no, that's not it, but I'm not really sure. <clears throat> Father Becker, perhaps I might take a look at that book and try and. I am, uh, uh, you know, something of a cipher occasionally. I mm-hmm. uh, don't want to brag or anything, but I, I did make my own cipher when I was uh, oh. uh, just an undergraduate. Mm. Yes, really? I yes. did. Yes. Just a simple letter-number substitution, oh, no, or was nothing, it... Um... Nothing so pedestrian, of course. Oh, yeah, good. But, yes. uh, hmm. um, well, abs- you know what? Actually, um, <laughs> to be honest, um, I would be lying if I didn't say that I have been um, observing your scholarship, if you will, uh, during this quest, uh, because I am frankly baffled by this thing, and, and I could use some help. Now, I, I do have to make sure that we have an assurance here from everyone that we're not going to go, oh, I don't know, decide that the book is evil and start hacking it up with a sword at any point, because it is my possession, and I'm only seeking to understand what's going on. My only concern in the future is that and we all agree the words of occultists cannot be trusted, right? Absolutely. Yes. Their writings, doubly so. Because cultists tend to not write everything down. But what they do write down is of the worst nature. Had that book never existed, those children would be alive. Having said that, that is your possession. I don't believe you to be a cultist or an evil man. I appreciate what you say. And, and may I just say that... Hmm, um. Uh, and the father, uh, excuse me, the, the, Haytham may disagree with this, but I don't think, I personally am not of the opinion that evil works should be allowed to exist just for the sake of evil being allowed to exist. Now, that said, I don't believe in willy-nilly destroying them until we've learned enough about them that we might be able to prevent the evil from occurring. And so... Just know every time you open the door to that path, it gets a little bit harder to close it. Fair enough, but uh, but I assure you, I've got the strongest will. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I mean, yes. 
I have a strong will. I think we would feel more comfortable if Hatham would help you with your studies. I, I actually wish that to be the case. I would like to know what this book says. No. I'm hoping it will provide insights. Again, because I, I would like to know more about the nature of this uh, entity for whom I've apparently become a vessel here on Earth. There is no such thing as power without cost. Asherian, do you have any questions? No more. I know you haven't managed to get out the dagger at any point during this, this conversation, so I'm pleased. I have no fear that you're a cultist or any fear that you are an evil man. Just don't believe if you're a good man not yet. Oh, I, well. But not being an evil man is good enough for me now. Hmm. Your standards are pretty low, are they? <laughs> Some things may come <laughs> a lot lower than they used to be. A hard life will do that. Alder will like stand up and grab his backpack. And it, it looks like he's ready to go at this point. Ever since, uh, by the way, he, he mentioned that indecipherable notebook, Hatham went from like confused and angry to like, ooh, <laughs> mystery. Like, yeah, a little bit excited it, now. When he held up the journal, there, was there writing on it on the front like that, like the cover? Are, are we talking about the cultist journal? Like the, no, like uh, his his journal. It's just uh, a black journal. I mean, a black cover. There's nothing in it. Okay. So, um, I mean, nothing on the cover. I'm sorry. Um, I, and we can decide who wants to give information here, but does it does it have the outward appearance of a holy text, or does it just look like a journal? Looked like I, I've always envisioned it as being a journal. How to summon Cthulhu in twelve easy steps? <laughs> um, do you, does one go does, fucking crazy? Does Hatham want to take a take a look at it now, or just a cursory glance, or? Uh, it, well, we have some time to travel, or I mean, I could take like a cursory glance now i imagine it would be something i would have to be pretty intense about that i couldn't exactly do like well, while walking around you know well and i don't know that you need to study it <laughs> trip this, drops yeah. in my puddle ah! <laughs> at this point but if you wanted to just kind of flip in it really quick yeah um would that be a lore academia um you know for a cursory glance we're just going to kind of give you what 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 you see um okay. but you know you've been around enough books enough writings that this does uh it is laid out like a journal uh, you know, holy texts or even uh, academic texts, you know, they, they have a f- almost a formula of how they're laid out, uh, whereas journals tend to be a little more free-flowing. Uh, uh, so this looks like a journal, other than the fact that the writing is nothing you recognize or read or, um, you know, have ever heard of. When he calls it a code, it kind of borders on both. You're like, is this a, a language built into a code, a code built into a language? Um, is this, you know, some something else? It's it's hard to say. You do know that uh, this is this isn't going to be something simple. This isn't a oh well I you know I know this. This is actually in an ancient language that we studied at. Uh, the, you look at this and you know think uh, you know some colleagues who would probably love to get their hands on this because um, this is no simple uh, you know simple riddle. Some dissertation material there, perhaps. Well. Um by a cursory glance, uh, I can't read a bloody thing. Mm, yes, mm-hmm. that was my experience too. Yes. Um, yes. I noticed a, a curious lack of pictures in it as well, which I thought was disappointing. Although on a couple of pages, you actually will see the same symbol, the strange hmm. crossed lines that make up the holy symbol. It's 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 in a few spots. but I, I, In fact, those are the ones I've concentrated on, thinking that, that maybe the words around it might be illuminating but um mm. i don't understand hey thumps go ahead and give me that uh lore academia check that oh, you want to make yes. a minute ago mm. Ooh. It's like a 22 
Okay, now, you know, you kind of glanced at the writing in there, and you've seen the holy symbol and the way that um, Father Becker describes it as the the lines that are just confusing, uh, almost in nature, and it you, you kind of have a moment where it reminds you of a something. It's it's a concept. Uh, you know, you're a naturalist. You're an, an alchemist. But at the same time, many of your um, peers were, they were more wizardy in nature. And so you're familiar with a lot of the concepts. You're familiar with a lot of arcane concepts. And, and you kind of have a moment where you think that that symbol is less maybe um, a symbol, almost like how you describe some arcane concepts. You, you know, you're not for certain, but, you know, you think back to like your arcane 101 classes uh, where they describe that casting spells is more about building that construct in your mind at some points and the way that they describe those in abstract means um, that some of those early drawings that instructors would use that made no sense at the time this kind of reminds you of something like that this is almost like a, a, an arcane glyph of some sort it, it has that that feel to it where it's meant to maybe construct a word or a phrase or a concept like a language would, but instead it constructs a spell. And you, you suddenly kind of make that connection where it feels something like that, but not any specific one that you've ever recognized. It just, you, you just kind of make that connection that uh, those synapses kind of link together there. This symbol is almost, uh, it's a bit hard to describe. It, it reminds me of something arcane. Uh Arcane. Arcane. Uh, uh, almost like a, a word that you can't read unless you know the description. Does that make any sense? N- no, not at all. I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't feel as though the powers I've been exhibiting. I mean, I mean, they, I've just been praying using words that come to me. I don't feel that I'm using incantations. Uh, I mean, or. Or mystical words or, or anything. Um, but do any words come to you more than others? Well, I mean... What's the first thing that pops into your head when you see this inkblot? <laughs> I uh, say, oh, oh, great God of mysteries. But but I mean, that's that's just how I don't know what else to call him. It, him, Have you ever her. tried anything else? Has the thought even occurred to you? <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I love how snotty Hatham is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like unintentionally condescending. It's great. Unintentionally condescending? Are we sure? I was giving him the benefit uh-huh. of the doubt. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it, it all more seems to be the, the thought and the feeling behind it as opposed to the actual words, but I, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've seen... Well, I've sold more than a few semi-supposed magical items in my day, too, uh, that may or may not have functioned the way they were supposed to. I, and so I've seen many a glyph or a, or a symbol, but I, I don't know if I've ever associated that symbol. I touch the thing around my chest with the arcane. Well, maybe you will or should. I mean, There seems to be a connection there. If I um, if anything comes to mind, so to speak, uh, I'll share. What's more, the subtleties of this book do seem a bit um, religious in nature. Hmm. You know, you can see it in that the headings and the indentations and it, all those little bits that one it, might uh, not notice. You know, you might recognize that there are phrases there. Uh, you know, not necessarily that you know what they mean, but when when you're, you're when you think of it as a language, as you're looking at it uh, at the journal. 
Like they you, repeat. Yeah, you see repetition. You see sentences that kind of begin the same way. So it really does have the 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 trappings of say a journal. And like I said, your instinct on a religious text isn't necessarily off base because you know many things will begin that way. Like he says, the great God of mysteries. If somebody were to begin a sentence that way a lot, it would look like this when it were written down. Not that you know that that's what it is. It may or may not be. Um, but that the concept is is the same. You see a lot of repetition. I'm I'm no scholar, Haytham, but could there be a correlation between oft-used phrase and great god of mysteries? I was sort of thinking the same thing. That's a, I wasn't entirely being condescending when I said, have you ever thought of any other phrase to call him? But rather, maybe the reason you think of this phrase so often is because it's written in this book. Hmm. Uh, I hadn't considered that. It just seemed uh, something appropriate to say when I was um, trying to get the attention or address the the entity. Um, it just seemed the natural thing to say, and then I got into the habit of saying it. Yes, it came to you quite easily, I suppose. Well, I, it was it was fairly feeling fairly desperate most of the times that I initially oh. cast uh, the spells. Um, I, I'm continuously impressed by. The entity's ability to, whenever I pray for a certain thing to happen, the exact type of effects that it, it seems to generate. It's fascinating. I, but th- that's not always the case, though. No, it does seem sometimes not to work. <laughs> I haven't figured that out either. I, I assumed I wasn't just praying hard enough, but there have been times whenever, in almost a, a casual sense, not a casual sense, but where I haven't been as desperate and it has functioned amazingly well, my prayers have. And then there have been times in genuine life or death, desperate struggles when my pleas are ignored. And I don't know why. And, you know, if you, the, the rest of you, if you think back observing things, uh, you know, you use that 2020 vision looking backwards. You know, you, you're you not going to see a pattern. Nobody's going to look back and say, you know, when he said this word, it worked. When he said that one, it didn't. You're not going to find that. It's not there. Perhaps there's room for your faith to grow. Well, it certainly seems to be manifesting itself in stronger and stronger ways. I, I know that whenever I <laughs> stumbled through whatever bit of healing I was able to provide upon the ship, I'm able to do so much more consistently and much more powerfully now. I do suspect... Perhaps your connection will go stronger the more you understand this sign right here. Mm. I've noticed that if I stare at it long enough, sometimes the lines almost seem to move and and it makes my head hurt. Really? Really? Yes, when I'm sitting over the fire at night, supposedly, I mean, whenever I'm having a moment free from watch, I... Uh, Alder like pulls out a little checklist and like marks like a <laughs> check on it. Like, Cultist? <laughs> Asherian, Asherian puts his hand back over the deck. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like closed the book. Yeah. And then and then there are whole swaths of time I don't remember anything. It's like six, seven hours at a time. I wake up exhausted and covered in blood. Scribbling. <laughs> the taste of raw meat in my mouth, but I'm fine. Every full moon. Yeah, it's uh, it's odd. Yeah. So. Um, I believe it's probably time for you guys to go ahead and start making your way back towards Port Holbeck. You can begin your journey uh, back. We do have one uh, little, we're going to actually pop out a character really quick because uh, we have one uh, little thing of housekeeping. You remember you guys all gained a level. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So the, everybody here is third level. Uh, I would, we're just going to kind of go around real quick and just uh, kind of tell me what you, what you gained here. 
Uh, and we'll actually start with Asherian. Just tell us, what, what do you get at third level over there, Asherian? So for third level, being a sorcerer who is uh, partially into monk skills here, uh, the main thing that I get is that I get access to second level spells. Oh, yeah. Which is tight, as to say. Um, mainly being that I can now cast a summon monster, which will be heightened so that I can summon better monsters than what I could before, which is just flank cat, as we call it. Um, additionally, I got a general feat, which I've spent on toughness, be considering uh, Shirian constantly gets up on the front lines uh, supporting Alder in whatever ways he can. So you guys have always had some hits. plenty of hit points. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, remember, <laughs> remember that battle when all of us went down at one point? That every single one of us was below zero? Uh, um, it's I'll not the, the, the amount of hit points we have that's that the problem. Let's it's the amount of the damage that's being done. <laughs> I, I remember a time when someone had four HP, and I was jealous. <laughs> yeah. I remember being time. Se- several times being jealous that people were up and standing. <laughs> So, uh, was that everything you got over there, Shirian? Um, yes, other than some minor stat bumps to other things, like being able to hit more often and a higher spell DC just from being a level. But those are the main things. Sweet. Uh, Alder, what about you? Speaking of your bullshit and dying a lot, uh, <laughs> I, took the, I took the Die Hard feat because I wanted to channel my inner Bruce Willis. Uh, also, nice. I wanted to die at dying five instead of four. Because that's it's been very close. <laughs> Cast your mind back to what episode six, when he was six or seven, when he was like a good solid hit away from just yeah. You gone. you went down one more time and you would have been gone. Yeah, yeah. No, I was one more round. Uh, so I don't get a whole lot at fire three. I get the diehard. I get that feat. Uh, I also get one skill point, which I put into survival because we've been out in the woods for a while. Uh, and then I also get a uh, a weapon specialization. So what I do is I pick a group of weapons and I get a critical specialization. Uh, I'm a sword guy, so I pick swords. And what that means is if I crit with a sword, they are flat-footed for a round. Which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's that, that's, that's pretty good. Right. And then I, I, I have more hit points and stuff. I fight her more fighterly. Fights harder and dies harder. And Haytham, what about you over there? So level three also isn't like a massive level for alchemists, but I went ahead and took a uh, proficiency... Uh, taking my crafting from trained to expert, and then I took magical crafting. So now I can ignore those rules like I have been. <laughs> the alchemical crafting ones. Wait, you can make shit? I Apparently so. Like what? We, we can all make shit. It's it's a natural human body <laughs> process. Like, but. Yes, like, but he can turn it into gold. Oh, like, well. Then. Well, you see, all these alchemy items... That I've been uh, only making using infused reagents, as they're called. Um, those I can make in my downtime. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been doing that because I am a stupid person. And to be fair, there hasn't been a whole lot of downtime. Uh, aside of the multiple weeks of travel you've let us uh, time skip through. Yes. But even though that's, that's, that's travel, it's not necessarily uh, we yeah. have a lot of free time. You, you, you're going there and you're like uh, stirring up some concoction. You accidentally trip and fall and just spray, just spray alchemist fire all over our backs. But I mean, he's got a couple hours of like on the sh- on like his watch shift. Yeah, there could have been some, yeah. but I guess that's a that's a good that's something conversation good to, to have had at level one. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, uh, and also like what constitutes downtime is like the travel does that include enough downtime to roll a crafting check to make alchemy stuff or 
Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to look into that uh, off mic at some point, but yeah. we'll sort that out. I mean, because if you could have been making healing potions and haven't, <laughs> that's going to be the worst betrayal of this party. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, listen, you know, demon cultist priest, you get a pass. What do you mean you don't have any healing potions left? <laughs> Hold him down. That's right. Let's let's sacrifice him. The Brand your symbol on his head. Yes, officer. It, no it appears this man was tortured to death for 20 hours straight. He has no healing potions on him. Yes. <laughs> That's what he gets. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, Father Becker. What did uh, you get at third level? Father Becker, growing in the faith as he does, uh, has um, much much to no one's surprise has uh, taken the toughness feat actually. So <laughs> really sweet sweet hit points Seems because um, I need to try to stay awake and not just die. Uh, so that I can uh, bring my fellows back uh, to continue on the good fight. So I have never felt more successful as a GM <laughs> than I do at this moment. <laughs> Scaring three out of four <laughs> players into taking Yay. I die less. I made feats. I made all my players take stay alive feats. <laughs> Super fun. So uh, in addition to that, as a third level uh, cleric, uh, I now get access to second level spells. Yeah, that means uh, I think enhanced uh, healing spells. And in addition, a couple of new ones that I'll be just as surprised to see manifest (laughs) as the rest of you whenever it occurs. Oh, yeah. You make him roll randomly on his spells or that was a bridge too far. Well, you know, we're uh, we're going to find out here at some point. Could be an interesting one in particular. Yep. So illuminating. I'm level three. What spells do I take? GM rolls furiously. <laughs> right. I'll tell you what spells you take. Apparently, you take uh, create water and um, I don't know. What was that one know, you found? Animate bureau. Uh, animated bureau. Uh, bureau. It's I literally summon a bureau that is an animated creature, technically, and it is a bureau that can shoot its drawers as a ranged projectile, and it can also slam its doors as a melee, and it has a hardness and a damage resistance, and whenever it is killed, it's not actually killed, it just breaks, so it just shatters into pieces of wood on the floor. What kind of Beauty and the Beast bullshit is this? (laughs) Be our guest! Be our guest! Be our guest! Be our guest! Is there there an animated candelabra that that cuts you if if you're not good? (laughs) No, I love the idea of sneaking into someone's house, like stealing their bureau and like throwing it away and then casting an animated one in there so they go to like oh boy i can't wait to put my pea coat away no i mean you you have to have the bureau to begin with to animate it yeah so you just go into somebody's house and animate their bureau yeah crazy that's a hell of a hell of a material component to have strapped to your back going through the wilderness (laughs) all right you fuckers wait a minute let me put this down this is why i multi-classed into barbarian (laughs) yeah carry this goddamn curio around police walk police walk armoire strapped to my back if anybody's looking to run a D&D campaign for kids to kind of give it, it'd be a great concept for the entire idea is that they all are wizards summoning creatures and they can all summon like their favorite Disney creature or cartoon character to fight for them. Um, who, who is that lich from uh, the Black Cauldron? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the stag. No, not the stag lord. Um, by the way, now that you've mentioned that Disney now owns this podcast. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> they didn't before. <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys didn't get the check. Everything. Oh, there's a check. Wait, there's ne- a check. Never mind. <laughs> what? Man, for, forget a campaign for kids. I want to play like an assassin multi-classing into whatever gets that. So I can just I'd be like, 
my target just gets home and like, boy, it's been a long day at the whatever bullshit job that I do. I'm going to hang my coat up and hope I don't get assassinated. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what's happening. Right? <laughs> Imagine being the constable that walks up on that murder scene. There's a bureau with all its drawers missing. It's shattered and there's a dead body like on the floor. Just like his head's exploded. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> just, just see my him God. closing the door and walking away. That's it. I've seen some shit in my day. <laughs> no, imagine just like the wife walking in on that on like, honey, what's going on in here? Walk in and just see like the guys laying on the floor with like, no, no. And then like the bureau's like ho- hovering over him, like wobbling, like funk, You just see like the bottom the drawer, drawer, like kind of like chewing and feet disappearing into the bottom drawer. <laughs> Goddamn Ikea strikes again. <laughs> the the junior detective, like, what do you make of this, chief? I don't know. I haven't seen anything like this in 20 years, but I'm two days from retirement. <laughs> then the background, the armoire is like. <laughs> <laughs> this episode brought to you by Johnson's Cabinets. <laughs> You just see a shelf start wiggling in the background. <laughs> I think we know what our next commercial is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that got we got on a tangent. <laughs> on that. Say. In, in a All world right. where that's like common, a magical curio that doesn't animate would be worth a lot of money. <laughs> like, Guaranteed to not animate. <laughs> Anti-magical properties built into the construction of this bureau. All right. Well, we're Hi, I'm I'm Sergeant Johnson, part of the anti-magical curio uh, <laughs> division of the department. Why don't you? Uh, why don't we take your statement, Mrs. Uh, Dead guy. <laughs> Mrs. Widow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, back Any, to the action. Anyway. I, yeah, anyway. I so think, that's what we got for leveling up. I think our initial goal was to track their footsteps, which yeah. we believe led back to town. Uh, yes. You. So uh, after inspecting, uh, you did find off uh, nearby packs. So the cultists didn't, they obviously didn't travel out here without any supplies, uh, but they left them off in the distance a little ways. There's not much there besides some mundane supplies. Uh, you know, there are rations and the food, but you guys are pretty well stocked up, but there's, it doesn't appear to be tainted in any way. Uh, the only real thing of note in there are uh, some potions that you might find useful. Woo-hoo. Uh, there are two minor healing potions and two lesser healing potions. Um, are there any? Is there any sign on any of the bodies? <clears throat> I mean, I'm assuming that the clothing of the children and... And of the cultists was left behind whenever the the bodies disintegrated. Um, yeah, the the clothing is mostly fine, although it, it does seem a little worse for wear. The, the cultists were just wearing robes, and by the way, you find regular clothes with their stuff. Uh, it's not too hard to figure that they changed into these robes and then went forth for the ritual. Uh, if some some survival checks would also point out to you that uh, you can find tracks to where they traveled to this area, and the only real thing of note that you you find is that you do find footprints from the children they, they did walk here so what i'm trying to determine and i guess we could follow these tracks back to to find out is i feel that we ought to try to get word to their families oh god yes but we'd have to be able to track where they came from uh beyond that there is no other identifying information yeah that's what I'm uh, nobody brought journals nobody brought books it's actually really very sparse other than essentials that you would need for travel in the wilderness uh, there is there is no personal information. None of them were wearing signet rings, necklaces, anything of the sort. Where do the tracks go? You know, from this point, they head, uh, you guys are kind of west. So it'd be a little northwest. Uh, is that right? No, hang on. Let me, I have my, I have my directions backward. It would be. Do they go back towards the port? So this, I'm sorry, it'd be southeast, which would be the general direction of Port Holback. Okay. Well, I think we should, I'll see what you all think, but I think we should head back in the direction, trying to follow the tracks as far as we can until we can determine 
if that was in fact where they came from. Oh. I'm guessing it probably was. Wholeheartedly agree with you. <clears throat> yes, I think it's a, a good idea. So, um, you're not able to completely track them. It's a long way. Uh, you know, over time, the tracks just kind of disappear. That's fairly normal. Uh, but it does take you six days. And uh, as you are going into the sixth day, a little after midday, uh, you find yourself not far from Port, Hor- uh, from Port Holbeck. You, um, you've actually managed to land uh, a little bit, a few miles west along the coastline. So you missed your mark by just a little bit. But, you know, you, you come up along the coastline and you're, you're pretty certain that Port Holbeck's pretty close by. Um, no big deal. You just jaunt down the coastline for a mile or so and you will, you'll be there. Uh, now, if you remember, the southern coast of Ferdon is pretty much all cliff faces. Now, it's not particularly tall. Most of them are only in the, you know, 20 feet range. It's, it's not very far down, but at the same time, difficult to, to land ships or, you know, make, make any sort of portage there. But, you know, you get close to the sea, you smell the salty air, fills your nose. And you look out across the ocean waves. You know, it's, it's a beautiful day, beautiful, gentle waves, a few clouds in the sky, and um, several dozen ships are laying out in front of you. <laughs> you see sail after sail after sail. Uh, there is a kind of a line of them. It looks like they are sailing back out to sea. Looks like they're up near the edge of the cliffs. They're going out. Um, Alder, mm-hmm. you look out and see their pennants. You recognize them. Okay. You distinctly see the pennants from three different fleets of the pirate nation. Pirates. Hey, what? Rich, do these have names? We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Those are those are three of the banners of the pirate fleets. What direction are they traveling? Oh, bloody great. Most of them are heading back out to sea. Now, if you look westward down the coast towards where Port Holbeck is, off in the distance you see a site. If you move a little closer to get a better view, you see several large, very large timbers have been hung out over the cliff, uh, forming the structure for a makeshift lift hoist, like a rope lift. Um, several of the ships were are down below and look like they're just now making sail to head out. And you see that a number of the ships have obviously made sail and they're now, uh, you know, further away. Uh, at the top of the lift hoist, you see what appear to be cages, wooden cages, dozens of them. They're kind of stacked to the side and most of them appear to be empty. Uh, you look down and you see a line of pirate troops. Driving before them, a small army of hundreds of screaming kobolds. <laughs> oh boy! Hmm. Oh, you don't see that every day. That's a lot of profit to be made from their skins <laughs> and their meat. The problem is they're like lemmings, though. When one goes over, mm-hmm. Disney pushes the rest of them off. <laughs> <laughs> 